right. Hey, um, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the last chapter of the first book of the New Testament. I'll let that quiz uh, sit on you for a second, but the uh, last chapter of the first book of the New Testament, and we'll be there in just a few minutes. Let me uh, do several things on the front end. First of all, that is never get tired of seeing names in videos or stories of God at work. I mean, again, never, ever, ever, ever get tired of that. And our prayer is that this week, uh, God would write a whole bunch of other stories, all right? Just stories of God's grace, stories of God at work. Uh, secondly, let me just give you an attaboy as well. Uh, way to go already on Biltmore Church Love Schools. We, uh, a couple weeks ago, we we're like, man, let's try to get, we're going to get 20 schools. We're going to do 1,500 backpacks to underserved areas primarily. And we've got about two weeks left, and you guys have already hit 1,500 backpacks. So great, great job on that. But let's not sit back. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and push to 2,000. Okay, let's get to 2,000. That'll allow us to add a couple of more schools uh, to that. So if you have not had a chance to participate, just go to the website backslash schools. All right. One more uh, note of uh, information. Um, if uh, if you're watching online or if you tried to come to the service on Thursday uh, and it was filled up, I want to just tell you on the front end, uh, they are starting to fill up. So here's the deal. Uh, 20th is already open. That is next Thursday or this coming Thursday, however you want to look at it. And so go ahead and you can RSVP for that because once it hits to about uh, right now, we're limiting to about 600. And so once it hits there, then we've got to cut it off to make sure we do social distancing properly and safely. So uh, get all that uh, taken care of. And then lastly, if you're watching online, which 90% of our folks are right now, Thank you, all right, participate. There are people there to pray with you, uh, comment with you. You can do a high five, praise emoji, whatever you wanna do. Would love for you to participate with that. But if you're there or if you're here, Matthew chapter 28 is where we're gonna be because here's kind of what you saw in the video and here's what we know is when something big happens in your life, we usually try to signify it by something big to say, you know what, that's a marker in my life. And it just runs the gamut. I mean, for example, uh, this year was kind of weird, but normally on graduation, whether it's graduation from kindergarten, graduation from high school, graduation from college, uh, usually you do something to signify that, all right? You get a little certificate, uh, you move the tassel over, you get a job, something to say, you know what? I have passed over into a new phase of my life. All right? when I know that when I turned 16, I don't think they do this anymore, but when I turned 16, the thing that you both feared and looked forward to is I remember going to the DPS office uh, way outside of Wichita Falls, and you had to take a driver's test with a state trooper in the car with you. And the biggest thing was, could you parallel park? I mean, that was the whole, now you got button you can push and it'll parallel park with you. But at that point, you could do everything right, tend to everything. But if you flunk the parallel parking test, it's like the walk of shame and you got to come back the next day. Um, one of the most vivid things that uh, happens uh, in our society is is the wedding and particularly the giving of the ring. Now, I know you kind of give one on the front end. I've told you to my shame before, inadvertently when I proposed to Lori 30 years ago, I proposed, believe it or not, on April Fool's Day. Such a bad plan on my part, but April Fool's Day, I popped out that diamond ring and it's like, would you marry me? Would you marry me? She said, yes. Actually says, I gotta ask my dad first. Then she said, yes, I will. And then we planned this wedding for like, I think it was like initially six or nine months away, which pro tip, that is way too long for an engagement, right? We moved that back up to August in a heartbeat. And here's what happened on that time. On that time, we sat there and we exchanged vows to one another. And then part of those vows, and I did this with a wedding just two weeks ago, is when you get to that part where you exchange rings, when you put that ring on that person's finger, 
What you're saying is this is a symbol of the covenant that we're making right now. This is like a super important symbol that we are doing right now to symbolize this massive part in our life. So here's what we're gonna talk about for a few minutes today. The biggest, most significant thing that ever happens in a person's life, it's not their past, it's not their failures, and it's not even their accomplishments. The biggest thing that can happen in a person's life is when they repent and embrace Christ by faith and God adopts them into his family. The Bible says things like, you were redeemed, you were saved, you were new, you were gifted, you were forgiven, you were adopted, you were reconciled with God, you were blessed with every spiritual blessing. And the big thing, that God wants us to do to signify the big thing is baptism. Now, if you're a Christian and you're like, oh, this isn't for me, understand this is like a family celebration anytime people are baptized. It's not only a celebration because you're part of a family, it's also where you look at a person being baptized and understand that her story is your story. His story is your story. So when you see somebody baptized, that ought to take you back to what God did in your life as well. It's like when I did that wedding two weeks ago, one of the main things I was trying to do was not only get the, pers- the, the boy and the girl, the lady and the man, get them married, but I understood you had a couple hundred people out there, most of whom were married, and I wanted them to think back to the vows that they had given to their spouse a year before, five years before, 30 years before, and in a sense, relive and recommit to their vows as they made their vows of covenant with each other. So. Uh, Normally, in the life cycle and the rhythms of our church, uh, this coming week or two, we would have uh, outdoor baptism. Outdoor baptism is an amazing day, probably my favorite day in the life of our church, in the year of our church. And we go out to a lake, and we'd see five, six hundred folks would come and cheer a couple hundred other people on. But due to uh, COVID, we're like, ah, I'm not sure, we're not sure if that's super safe. So what we're going to do is we're going to Uh, make something that uh, maybe Satan meant for evil, but God meant for good. And we're going to go from baptism day to baptism week. And so what's going to happen all week long in Western North Carolina is we're going to be baptizing people. We're going to baptize them in rivers, in lakes, in tubs, in apartment pools, in private pools, in warm, all this stuff, warm water, cold water. We've already had people we had a person, we already got a little early start. We had a person the last couple of days that got baptized in the Davidson River. We've got somebody else baptized in the Mills River. I'm not sure anybody's actually brave enough to get, uh, I shouldn't say that, baptized right down here. I'll just leave it at that. But we, had a, we, had a man, we had a man watch our webcast from Florida. God convicted his heart. He drove from Florida to Franklin, North Carolina to our Franklin campus just to get baptized. All right, so... All that being said, it's already been the start of a great week. The passage you're gonna look at is you could actually, you could say that it is the focal point of the whole Bible. It's definitely the focal point of the New Testament, and you could say it's the focal point of the whole Bible, because what it is, is it expresses the mission of a church, and then in doing so, what we'll do is we'll drill down a little bit deeper into this whole area of baptism. And here's two before I read the passage, here's two kind of groups today. First of all, I understand if you're watching or you're here, there's some people that whether you know it or not right now, you need to make a first time decision uh, for Christ. Uh, maybe you are familiar with the church. Maybe you've been a member here a long time. Maybe you are not familiar. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time. We have people the first time tune in every single Sunday from everywhere, from Cutter to Wisconsin to who knows where. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're like, I'm not sure if I believe all this stuff, thank you for listening. 
And then secondly, uh, some of you, you are a follower of Jesus, but you have not been baptized as a believer. Maybe you didn't know. I came to Christ as a senior in high school. It was three or four years later before anybody ever actually taught me about what baptism is and what is my step of obedience that I need to take, and maybe that's you. You're like, man, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Uh, some of you, let's be honest, you knew it, and yet it's like, you know, I just don't want to do it, and I'll wait, and I'll do it next year, I'll do it next week, and God wants you to do that today. Uh, maybe you're not sure that you were a follower when you were baptized. Again, today's the day. This week is the week that God is going to open up a whole bunch of new stuff for you. And let me read the text, say a few things about it, answer basically two questions, and then we're going to uh, uh, pray that God would move, all right? And so and I would say this, by the way, uh, normally uh, online, uh, I'll give you a way. If you're like, I'm interested in that, I'm interested in that, we will contact you today, all right? Today. You text in, we'll contact you today. If you're here today, we've got a baptism at the end of the service as well, but at any point in this service, if you're like, you know what, that's me, that's me, that's me. All right, we put out a few tank, few other tanks by faith. It's like, man, that's me. We got a little girl that she's gonna be baptized, all right? Uh, and you're like, that's for me, I need to do that. Then anytime during the course of this service, if you are here, then you just go to that door over there, we'll get you ready, and we can only do three others because again, trying to be safe, but bottom line, don't put off today what, uh, what God has told you to do. So here's the text. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says, uh, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. Now, a couple of quick notes here. There was more than likely more than 11 because 1 Corinthians says there was 500 other people that went. Uh, it looks like this is the time that they went up there. We don't know when Jesus said exactly to go and meet me at this time, at this place, but he obviously did. And then verse 17 says this, and when they saw him, again, this is the resurrected Christ. The resurrected Christ, when they saw him, they worshiped him. That would be understandable. But then it, this is a little parentheses, but some doubted. It's really? It's like you just saw him crucified, buried, and then you see him talking to you and you're still doubting? That, that gives hope for all of us. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and by the way, a lot of times people will think a go is the command. Go is actually not even a verb. It is in the English, but it's really as you go. As you go to your work, as you go to your play, as you go to your neighborhood, as you're living your life, as you go, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples. That's what we're to be about. Make disciples. If you're a member at Biltmore Church, you need to understand every ministry we try to do, that is the criteria. That's the number one question is, is this helping us make disciples and develop disciples? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. First act. This is the verb right here, only verb in here. The rest of them are participles on how do you do the verb. The verb is make disciples. How you make disciples is you baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right, so let's kind of tackle some stuff because a lot of times a baptism is, a, uh, it is an emotional uh, deal. It is a historical deal based on how you might have grown up. And because you mix those two together, it can be kind of a hysterical deal because people get really upset when you start dealing with family heritages and family backgrounds. So let's, let's just very calmly look at a couple of different things about this. 
We gotta make sure this is the case. First of all, let's make sure that first of all, you are a disciple. Let's just kind of ground that down. This is a general challenge though, and a good reminder for, again, us as a church, of all the stuff we can fail at, we cannot fail at this. We can fail at uh, potlucks, we can fail at uh, uh, you know, even albums, we can fail at all sorts of things. What we cannot fail at is making disciples. That's the one thing he said, if it's in your student ministry, if it's your children's ministry, adult ministry, whatever it is you do, is this making disciples? And what do we say all the time? We're here to glorify God by making disciples. That's what we're here for. And so again, just to understand as a church, it would be like, uh, it would be like if you go into a restaurant and order a steak and you're like, I'd like a steak, please, medium rare. And then 20 minutes later, they bring you lasagna. And they bring you lasagna and they're like, this is the best lasagna in all of Western North Carolina. Okay. You might be nice or you might send it back. Either way, that is not what you ordered. You ordered the steak, not the lasagna. Doesn't matter how great the lasagna is, that's not what you ordered. In the same way, churches have got to remember what he ordered was to make disciples. All right? And so whatever it is out there that we're emotionally tied to, understand that is the, those are the marching orders. Now, the reason it gets confusing is because we sometimes are confused about what a disciple is. A lot of times we think a disciple is like a varsity Christian and that other people are junior varsity. You know, varsity Christians are those that really have Jesus as Lord and Savior. And uh, JV Christians are kind of like, well, he's Savior and, you know, I'm, I'm making my mind up about uh, Lord. You might find it interesting to know that actually that's something we've kind of developed a little bit. The Bible actually uh, uses the word disciple to describe a Christian 280 plus times. Guess how many times it uses the word Christian to describe what you and I would call a Christian? Three. Three times. And of those three times, the first one it says, and they were first called Christians at Antioch, passive, somebody else is calling them Christians. Most historians say it was a derogatory, pejorative term that they were saying those Christians and what the Bible calls Christ followers are disciples. Disciples literally means learner. We don't really have a good English equivalent for it. The closest we have might be called an apprentice. And that comes from like early Judaism. And here's a little cultural background for you. What would happen back then in a Jewish culture would be is that young boys would attach themselves to a rabbi and they would follow him around, learn his theology, uh, listen to the way he talked, listen to the way that he taught, all those things with the goal of becoming like his rabbi. And then when his rabbi passed on, he would then carry on the theology and the teachings of that rabbi. And so when it says make disciples, please ask yourself a question. I thought about this today. My biggest fear is that my biggest fear as your pastor would be that I would preach for 12 years and you would sit here and you, you would think, yeah, I'm a disciple and I got all this knowledge. But bottom line, you haven't actually done what the Bible says to become a disciple, and that is repent. So the question would be, are you a follower of the Messiah? Baptism is the public symbol that you are a follower of Christ, that you have turned, that your authority is now with him and it is not with you. It doesn't mean perfection, but it does mean your direction has changed. So let me drive this home two quick ways, and then we're going to kind of get to some of the practical questions people have about baptism. In order to become a Christ follower and an actual disciple, two things have got to be true. Number one's a recognition of helplessness. 
Now, we don't like that. Recognition of helplessness means, you know what, there's nothing I can do to impress God at all. There's nothing I can do. I have no power in myself. As a matter of fact, when people are baptized this week, I think there's 30 some odd that are already signed up throughout the week. They'll get this uh, shirt right here that says Jesus in my place. And what that is, that's indicative of what the Bible teaches, really starting from Genesis all the way through the Bible of the principle of substitution. That Jesus actually got substituted in our place. He didn't just die for you, he died instead of you. And so when you look at our helplessness, that is the difference between religion and the gospel. Uh, every other religion basically says, do this, touch that, uh, travel here. That is not what the gospel is. The gospel is not about what you've done, it's about what Jesus has done. And so there's, there's really two worldviews. There's a grace and there's works and what the gospel is, is I can't do it. And the hard part of that is we like to think we help. We do. If you go to the gym and you're trying to push it a little bit, you get a spotter and you're trying to get it up there and you're like, how? You want a spotter to help you. Listen, and what he's saying is Jesus is not gonna be a spotter. He's not trying to help you get a little bit more. You can't do, you can't lift anything. Have you said before, you know what? There's nothing I can do at all that I can bring to God other than my sin. The gospel is, you know what? He takes your sin, he dies for it, and then he replaces that with his righteousness. And then you've gotta do a reception of Jesus' help. Here's why I say that. There are, again, I say this in love, I say this in love, and since I've lived in the South for a long time, and I would include Texas in the South and North Carolina for 12 years, but here's the, here's the, here's the truth. There are many people, particularly in the South, who get baptized and they never repent. They get baptized and they never actually repent. They got baptized for maybe some good reasons. Maybe they had peer pressure, maybe mom and dad wanted them to, maybe all their friends at student camp were throwing a stick in the fire and getting baptized. Whatever it was, they're like, you know what, I'm gonna do that. And it's revealed by the fact that right now, Jesus is not Lord today. Somebody told you that you could accept Jesus as savior and not accept him as Lord, and I'm just telling you, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible anywhere. So. If you're baptized without repenting, all you did is get wet in front of a bunch of people. So are you a disciple? And you gotta ask that question, am I a disciple? Am I a disciple? Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin, loved ones. Repentance is basically this. Before Christ, I am facing sin and Jesus is at my back. Repentance means a change of mind. I turn around and now Jesus is at my face and now sin is at my back. That's what it means. Again, not perfection, but a change in direction. As a matter of fact, you're like, I'm not sure I've ever done that. I mean, I, I, I thought I did, but I don't, I, it certainly doesn't show right now. And you're at home and you're like, I didn't know. That seems pretty simple. I thought it was about doing a bunch of good stuff. It's not. And so before we even move on and they sit in the end of the service, they sit in the, all bow your heads and pray. It's like, but if that's where you are right now, then let's drive that. Let's say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. So you can have your eyes open and your head forward, but right now, just like, you know what? I wanna be a disciple of Jesus. That what Jesus did on the cross, it counted for me. That when he raised himself up on those nail-scarred feet and he said, it is finished, somehow, some way, God counted that toward me and I'm embracing him by faith. I wanna be a Jesus follower. I want him to be my Messiah. If that's the case, if you're doing that now or have done that in the past, then your first act as a disciple is to be baptized. That's the first act. Matthew 28 says this, go ahead and make disciples and what's the first thing in line is baptizing them. It's being baptized as a 
public declaration of your faith. It's a flag in the ground. A couple years ago, uh, I mean, my, I live with a huge Boomer Sooner fan, and a couple years ago when the Sooners were playing Ohio State up in Columbus, uh, they went in there and they had gotten beaten the year before. They went in there and they beat, and all right, they, they beat the Buckeyes right there in the horseshoe and all this stuff, and old Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, though, he, he, he played good, and he went in there, and he took the OU flag, and whoom, and he just put it right in the center of the Ohio State Stadium. And what he was saying was, this is my territory. We won this game. This stadium is mine. Now, when you get baptized, you're not saying, look at me. When you and I are baptized, what we're saying is in some ways the same and in some ways opposite. We're saying, look what Jesus has done. I'm on God's side. Jesus has saved me, and I'm not ashamed to say it. And so let me give you one other passage real quick and show you a pattern that you're going to see in the Bible and why it's a pattern. So in Acts 2, Acts 2 is about two months after the Great Commission, roughly. About two months after this, when Jesus does the commission, the early church, so Peter gets up and Peter preaches a message and it's not some seeker, sensitive, kind of easy believism. It's like, you killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. God rose him from the dead I'm going with the guy that came up out of the grave. You killed him, and here's, here's the end result of that. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's conviction. That's when God says it wasn't just Jesus dying on the cross for sins. It was my sin that put him on the cross. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That's a great question. What do we do? What do we do? And look what he says. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. This is turn, turn directions. Turn directions and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, that's one time. Don't write all these things down. But let me just show you very quickly a pattern you see in the early church that is over and over and over again. Acts chapter eight. Philip preaches in Samaria, a bunch of people, a bunch of Samaritans believe, they're baptized immediately. Acts chapter nine, Paul's converted on the road to Damascus and he's baptized as soon as he gets to Damascus. No theology classes, no baptism classes. He didn't even stop to have lunch because it said he got baptized and then he ate. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and the soldiers, they believe and they're baptized. Acts chapter 16, Lydia, she was the part of the founding of the Philippian church. It says she opened her heart to what Paul said, opened her heart to the gospel. This is a sophisticated CEO businesswoman, and she was baptized. Philippian jailer, he gets saved at midnight. He gets baptized before the dawn of the next day. Chapter 18, a religious leader, a guy named Crispus, he is converted, he and his whole family, and then they are baptized. And then in Acts 29, here's some other people. Some of you are like, there is no Acts 29, and you would be correct. There's only Acts 28. The idea of Acts 29 is God is still writing stories. He's still writing stories, stories of grace, stories of belief, and then stories of baptism. You're going to see it uh, uh, in person here in a few minutes. You're going to see it this week on social media over and over and over again. And if you're like, man, that's for me. And again, if you're watching online, text the word baptism to 28282. I know it sounds kind of weird right now, but it, hey, it is that. It's pandemic time. Text the word baptism to 28282. I promise somebody will get a hold of you and we can get you baptized this week. You're like, I'm in Cincinnati, or I'm in Milwaukee, or I'm in wherever, we'll figure a way. 
If we can get a guy from Florida baptized, we'll figure a way if you're from Milwaukee. But the idea of baptism, is this something I need to do? The old is buried and the new is coming out of the water. There's a bunch of questions, let me just take three or four. A lot of people saying, well, uh, what's the deal about you putting people in the water? What's the big deal with that? No, we're not, we don't go overboard with that. Just, we do it because that's the way the Bible shows us we do it. It shows us we do it by example. It shows us by the very word. The word means to dip or to dunk or to submerge. That's what the word baptism means. It's actually not a translated word. It's what they call a transliterated word. It's used in secular language. One place it's used, this guy was writing a cookbook and he took a pickle. It's like, here's the recipe for making pickles. You take a cucumber and you dip it into vinegar. You baptize it into vinegar. You submerge it, you drown it in vinegar. And so he uses that word and says, this is the way that you show your identity uh, with the Lord. Uh, let me give you a couple other ones. Um, Cause here's, here's the question is, have you been baptized? If you're a Christian, look at me, please. Have you as a Christ follower, since you've been a Christ follower, have you been baptized in obedience to what he said? If not, if you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, then your first step of following him, whether that's two years ago, five years ago, last week, 10 minutes ago, is to be baptized. And um, here's a couple of things that I, you hear a lot. Well, I don't need to be baptized to love Jesus and to follow him. I mean, I, hear, I don't need to be baptized. That's I love Jesus, but I, that just seems, you know, I, I don't need to do that. Am I, I, I say this as gently as I can, but I mean, who are you to say which commands are important and which are not important? I think if you're saying, I don't want to do what he commanded me to do, you really don't understand the word authority or the word lordship. It's a command of Jesus. It's a, it's a big deal. It doesn't take you to heaven. But the question is, is why would I want to know Jesus and then not actually show people that? I mean, the easiest way to do it is I've got a, I got a wedding ring on, and this wedding ring, if I took it off, I'm still married, okay? If I gave it to you, you're not married to my wife, all right? All right? You're not married to my wife. This is my ring, but I put it on. I could, if I took it off, I'm still married. Now, there'd be some discussions at the house if I, if I took it off, but we would still be married. But it is symbolic. I wear it. Why? Because I'm proud of who I'm married to. I want anybody to know, you know what? I'm married, and I want you to know who I'm married to. And when you do this, when you take a step of obedience, I would just say God takes that step of obedience like this and jumpstarts your walk. If I can be blunt with you, I guarantee you there's some watching and there's some in the room tonight. And you, have, uh, you knew this before. You've heard some of this before. God's shown you this before. And for whatever reason, you're like, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. For some of you, that's almost been like one of those times when those creeks get backlogged and debris and stuff, and all of a sudden it all starts backing up, and what used to be a real healthy flowing stream is now backed up. And what that is, is that's disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. You're like, I know I should, but I'm not. What I'm telling you is, if you will take some of that out and just say, you know what, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. God will do some amazing things from that one step of obedience. But I would say this, sometimes God wants to use your baptism to bless somebody else. Some of you have been praying for your neighbors. Some of you have been praying for your parents. Some of you have been praying for your kids. You've been praying, you're like, man, will you just get a hold of that prodigal? Will you just get a hold of that neighbor? And God, I pray they get saved. And what I would say to you, could it be that maybe God wants to use your step of obedience in their lives? They might not come to church but sometime this week, I promise you, most of them, if you say, hey, I'm going to get baptized in the pool down the street, I'm going to get baptized in the tank at 
three o'clock on Wednesday. Would you come and hang, just, just clap for me, just support me, would love for you to be a part of that. Most people who know you and have a relationship with you, even if they don't believe what you believe, they're gonna say, you know what, I'll do that. I'll support you, I'll go down to Mills River. I'll, I'll go down to the French Broad if that's where you wanna go and get E. coli but still get baptized, that is fine. But I'll support you. So just understand, just understand, sometimes God uses your obedience to bless somebody else. Um, Again, you follow Jesus one step at a time. And if you've not been baptized as a believer, this is your one step. This is your next step. Uh, stop leaving church and hoping the conviction goes away. As a matter of fact, some of you in the room, you need to go over there right now. All right, some of you need to come get on the front row. When this little girl gets baptized, you might say, you know what? I'm gonna be one of those three that's gonna get baptized tonight, not even plan. You're like, I got baptized as a child. I got baptized as a child. Now let me be careful on this, but also clear. 27 baptisms are in the book of Acts. 27 baptisms out of 27 baptisms all have believe baptism. So if you got, I got, I got Christian as a six month old in the Episcopal church and at six months old, I obviously had not made a volitional choice to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Obviously it's six months. Please understand this though. Uh, again, in the Bible, it's belief and repentance first then baptism. Baptism. But if you were baptized as a baby, your parents were doing something great. You're not rejecting what they did. You're actually ratifying what they did because whatever tradition they grew up in, what they were just like my parents, what they were trying to say is we want to cooperate with God and the church and have little Scooter here come up and, 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 love, and love God, love Jesus. Now they might have known, not known what that meant, but you're not stiff-arming what they tried to do. You're actually ratifying what they wanted to do. You're like, well, I was, I, I, at 14, I'm not sure if I was a follower of Jesus then. Should I be baptized? You know, I got baptized at 14. I might look back, and I'm not sure I was a follower then. We'll go back to the initial equation. Okay, belief and then baptism. So like at 14, I wasn't sure what I was doing. I'm not sure I'd actually repented. It sure didn't change until five or six years later. Should I get rebaptized? I'd say, yeah. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I came to Christ, God changed my life, I got baptized, but I kinda wanna do it again. Should I get baptized again? No, you shouldn't, all right? Baptism is not rededication. Baptism is not, hey, I feel guilty and I've just had a bad week, I'm gonna get baptized so I can have a spiritual high. That's not baptism. Baptism is that step of obedience to say, Christ save me, and I'm gonna picture that. Um, Again, I, some people will kind of think this way, and we won't say it because it sounds, I mean, nobody's gonna say this out loud, but basically it comes across like this. Man, this week's not convenient. This week's not convenient. I mean, I got a hair appointment on Tuesday. I got, uh, I got bingo on Wednesday. I got, uh, I got this PTA meeting on Thursday. I got golf on Friday. It's not a very convenient week for me to get baptized. It's just, it's just not. It's not convenient. I'm, I don't want to get my hair wet and all this kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't want to go old school on you, but just for a second, to say it's not convenient when you and I know that Jesus Christ hung on a cross for six hours getting insulted and spit upon after he got beaten, got put in a grave for you and I, and for you and I to say, it's not convenient. I don't get my hair wet. I don't want to skip my point, whatever. Monday night football, there's a guy that says, come on, man. Come on, man. That's what you want to say. Come on, man. Are you serious? 
Jesus died on the cross. We can get in a, we can get in Mills River. We can get in the pool. We can get in the cool, cool tub of water. So let me ask you again. Are you a believer? If you're a disciple of Jesus, have you been baptized as a, as a disciple, as a disciple? If you're sitting there watching right now on, on, uh, on the webcast, thank you for joining in. Please do this. This is such a crossroads for so many. This is like the crossroads that opens up so many other things. If you would please, you can either go to that link that you see in the comments below, or you can do that text 28282, the word baptism. Again, or you can just click that link right in the comments. Somebody will immediately get a hold of you, all right? I'm talking about today they will get a hold of you and figure out how this week you can be a part of a, a gospel movement. All right, so right now, again, eyes open so you can use your phone. You can click on that. Go ahead and do it. Don't push it off. Don't put off what God has told you to do today, all right? So I'm going to pray, and um, then we'll be almost done. Father, thank you for, uh, thanks for the 30-some-odd people already signed up to get baptized this week. And by faith, we're going to believe that throughout this week, we're going to see scores and scores more people that says, you know what? I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I don't want to be a disciple of Jesus. I pray you'd write some stories of grace. Maybe somebody needs to repent of their religion, of their self-righteousness. Say, you know what, God, I've been relying on my good works, and I want to turn from my self-righteousness, and I want to turn to your righteousness and embrace you by faith. Got to pray somebody doesn't think their past can be cleaned and forgiven, that you show them afresh and anew the grace of God, and they'd say, you know what, Jesus did on the cross, that was for me. And God, I pray that whether somebody's a brand new believer or a believer that just needs to follow you in that step of obedience, this week would be such a cool week in the life of our church. I pray every time we see somebody getting baptized or a picture of a pool or people cheering, that something deep in our hearts would say, you know what, that's my story too. That's my story too. That's my story too. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.